Good morning. Let's take a little uh, poll here. How many of you would rather live in a state that would be just a little bit warmer right now? And how many of you have been out in the cold too long and numbed your brain so you like this weather? <laughs> I'm a warm weather guy. Uh, I was born in Minnesota. I don't know how that happened. So let's pray here. Father, we do give you this day. I, we thank you for your love and your compassion. And uh, Lord, you want to work in us. And at times you don't force yourselves on us, but you wait for us to respond to you. So as we come to today, I just ask that we might respond to your spirit would not just be uh, pushing, uh, prompting, pulling us. And, and so we give you this day and we commit it to you. These things we pray in your name. Amen. Let's uh, read uh, the Lord's Prayer here again, starting at verse 9 to begin with. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now it's interesting how we label this the Lord's Prayer. But technically, this really isn't about Him praying this. This really, this prayer really is about us. It should be our prayer. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to look at John 17 a little bit later, but John 17 technically would be the Lord's Prayer. When he prayed in the upper room, I, I think that would be a better phrase in the sense of the Lord's Prayer. But what has he taught us so far as we've been walking through this? The first is that this concept about our Father, this idea that we actually have a God who is our Father. And we are called to give Him, and we're called to hollow His name, to give Him a rightful place to worship and respect Him. And He also tells us that we have a God who wants to reign in this world. Thy kingdom come. The idea that he has a right to rulership and we want the reign and the rule of God to grow in people's hearts and lives. And when you think of those three categories, an individual in our, in our hearts are for ourselves. And then as a church, the reign of God would grow in this place. And then you think of the community around us in the world. We, we, want the, we pray that God's reign would grow um, as well. But we come to this praise, your will be done. And you see this, this idea of the will of God here. He prays for the will of God. Now, understand, some people cringe when it comes to the will of God. and Because they're afraid of what, what's God going to ask us to do. Or, or maybe he's going to say, what do we have to give up? And, and for some people, where, what if God sends me somewhere different? Africa or somewhere else? We're warmer state. I don't know. <laughs> That's God. <laughs> Deanna and I, uh, over the years, have probably worked at least a dozen years with college and young career ministry. A and this idea of the will of God was so important to many of those young men and women. A and there was a question that we would continually get asked and, and, and they would wrestle with, and I'll put that on the screen. How can we know... God's will. 
You ever pondered that? And for some of these young men and women, as they were seeking God, and they really were, they cared about this question. But let me throw some statements on the screen. And again, these aren't necessarily true or false. We use some of these just to kind of stir in, in some of the young college and young career lives. And first one, does God, God has a detailed life plan, which he has uniquely designed for each believer. Do you believe that? Or the next one, I need to discover God's will and plan for my life. Do we have to discover that? Maybe some of you have thought of that. Or how about this one? Does God give us confirmation at the point of each decision? Is, is there something? And Is there one specific person out there for a Christian to marry? For high schoolers and college students and those that are, are single, they go, ah, is there one person? And if, if so, how do you find that person? Another statement, one's vocation is a part of God's individual will for your life. What do you think? True, false? Or next one, open and closed doors are the most important means to discover God's individual will for your life. What do you think? Does that fit? Or how about the next one? The best way to discover God's will is to put out a fleece like Gideon. Or maybe, how about the best way to discover is to cast lots? It's in the Bible. When they filled that other role of apostle, they cast lots to figure out who who that was going to be. How about this one? The best road sign to discover God's will is to receive an inner peace from the Holy Spirit. I've heard that one a lot. How about this? The best way to determine God's will is that of special supernatural guidance like an angel, vision, dream, or miracles or an inner feeling. What do you think? Yes? No? Maybe? Not sure? Next one. The reason that you're not finding God's will is that you're not spending enough time in prayer. I've heard that statement. Last one, is finding God's will a biblical idea? Anybody have ever wrestled in their lives with some of those things and resonate with some of those? So we want to dig in. Thy, your will, thy will be done, your will be done. Now as I studied this week, I had something really just kind of came over me just, and it was this idea of the order that Jesus teaches this and how this order is connected to the will of God in that sense. Let me just explain that. It was no accident that Jesus begins this teaching on prayer and he says, pray to our Father who art in heaven. This idea of Father in heaven is connected to the will of God deeply. Matter of fact, for your notes, if you're taking notes and following on the outline, I said it this way, number one. A relationship with God as Father sets the foundation for God's will. And if we don't embrace this truth, that God is a loving Father, if this isn't the foundation, you're going to struggle with finding and figuring out what the will of God is. 
And I think you're going to come up with some different and some distorted views concerning this issue of the will of God. Because if we begin with focusing on doing and obeying the will of God without embracing Him as Father, then our journey of faith, I, I, I think I came across this word and I really like, your journey of faith is going to be slavish. It will be dull. Our attitude toward walking by faith is going to be based on really duty at, at best. And, and that kind of faith is weary. And, and folks, there's just no joy in that. So our, our walk with Christ shouldn't be becoming this reluctant abstaining and trying to keep a set of rules. See, that's opposite of God as Father. Now, I found a quote that really talks about viewing God wrongly. And it, here's what it said. So if, if we don't get it that God is our Father, this is what this guy said, the will of an unknown God will be in their thoughts a dark and tyrannous necessity, a mystery, an inscrutable force which rules by the virtue of being stronger and demands only obedience. There is no more horrible conception of God than that which makes him merely or mainly sovereign will. See, if God is not relational, he becomes just a force up there a distant force who demands that we obey for the sake of obedience. And he is not, I can tell you, he is not a God up there that's consumed with thinking up ways to get his creation to obey him. And I think that's so many people, what they believe. God is a father. He's not a dictator. He's not self-consumed. See, when our relationship with God truly starts with Him being a good Abba, that word Abba, Dad, the Father, all of a sudden, obedience is not hard. And it's motivated, the idea of obeying Him and wanting to do His will is done because He loves us. And we just want to return that love to Him. We seek to do his will because why? As a father, we trust him. He's compassionate. He knows what's best for us. He really cares for us. Now, now there's a picture that I like kind of put in your minds. That relationship of God as father is like a fence. And, and you think of the, the, the duties of a fence in one sense. It's to keep the critters out. To protect to keep us from wandering. And maybe even a more pointed way, fences also at times are the, the boundary markers of what somebody owns. So the relationality of God is like a fence that's going, I want to keep you in that. And I want you to know my will within that boundary of relationality of being a father. But here's where I need to go down an alley for a second. Because sitting on that mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to a large group of people and recognize the different kind of people that would have been sitting there listening. There were some who was just, 
you know what? They were just, somebody drug them there. And they really didn't care. So when they heard, thy will be done, your will be done, I don't think they really cared. And there were some that would have been curious there. Of going, yeah, I suppose I never thought of it about God's will. And then I think there would have been others, like the disciples that were going, yeah, I want to know about the will of God. But the fact is, when you look at those three categories, I'm convinced that there might be all three categories represented in this audience as well. Some people out here with us today are going, I don't really care about the will of God. Makes no difference to me. And others might be curious, and others are going, yeah, what is God's will? And I would say this, God's will is important. Because our spiritual lives and our eternal destiny depends on it. It matters. And folks, it mattered for Jesus. Because he was one who wanted to do the will of the Father, and he lived it out perfectly. He demonstrated, even when life was really hard. Matter of fact, look at Matthew 26, verse 39. This was just before he was arrested. He got out to pray after the, Lord, after the supper that night. And he says, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Do you catch that, that there's really, he had his own will and his humanity. He had things that he had to decide, but he's saying, God, not mine, but your will. Your will be done. Now, what was the will of God as he prayed, your will be done here? Uh, Number two for your notes, if you're taking that, I said it. Your will be done includes the mission of redemption through Christ. Your will in that context was him going to the cross and sacrificing himself for the sins of the world. Your will be done. You see, the plan of redemption, when it comes to that Lord's prayer, thy will be done, is one part to it, is the redemption that God wants in this world. Matter of fact, 1 Timothy 2, let me put that on the screen and I'll show you how this fits in. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires, and here is God's will, that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator mediator between God and men and the man, Christ Jesus. See, thy will be done. God has desire for this world and its redemption. And the gospel, he wants the gospel penetrating the lives of people. So when Jesus is saying, thy will be done, a portion of that is redemption of people in this world. But look a little farther, John 5.30. Let me read another text here. He says this, I can do nothing on my own. Jesus is speaking here. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, there again, he says it again, but the will of him who sent me. Now when you ponder, okay, the motive of Jesus was this. 
He wanted to do what his father desired. And he, matter of fact, he did it perfectly. So as he teaches us to pray, your will be done. He's calling us as disciples to respond like he did, to please God. Now, number three, for your notes, because God is our Father, we are to make God's desires and His purpose a central part of our lives on this earth. This is God's will for us. We want God's center in who we are. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, would you reign in this world? Would you reign in my life? Would we... Respond to your desires. But sometimes, I'll tell you this, it gets out of whack. Because the purpose of our lives does not become what God desires. It becomes what we wanted, what we want. It's about our will. It's not God's will. It's centered on our will. It's not on God's mission. It's on our pleasure, our fun. So when we pray about the will of God, too often again, it gets shifted from God's will to this idea of what, what's about my circumstances, God? The things that I'm going through. And, and now, the good part, he still cares about that. He cares about us individually. It's very true because he loves us. But in this context of praying God's will, it's more than just us and our stuff. So we, this as well, we also tend to be selective. Do you realize that? And when we pray about God's will, in some of the decisions. Because so often we only pray about God's will when it comes to major decisions. Isn't that true? God, should I quit my job this week? God, should I move to Florida where it's warm? <laughs> okay. we, we, pr- we pray about big things, but how many of, you, we, of us have come in the restaurant in the last month or two, and we look at the menu and we go, oh God, I want to know your will. Should I have the fish sandwich or the cheeseburger? Chicken. You know, it, it's that, do we pray that? And the answer is no. We, we decide. Now, now the question, let me throw this question on the screen. Why do we only seek God's will on the really big issues in our lives and we don't on the small ones? And I think the answer is we don't like to live with uncertainty. Do we? If we had to stop and admit it, we want to know. We hate not knowing. We've got to figure things out. And God, would you tell me what? But look at 2 Corinthians 5, a text that I think applies to this. So we are always of good courage. We know, now by the way, it's saying heaven, this isn't our real home. We're going to get a new body. But we are at home in the body. We are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make our aim to please Him. Another way to say it, 
so often we want to discover God's will because we're uncomfortable to walk by faith. And we want to keep flipping on the switch and go, God, you got to show me the light, which direction to go. And sometimes he just goes, no, I want you to walk by faith. I'm not going to give you the answer. But you recognize how often we want to go, God, tell us. And God, should I go on that missions trip? So we'll put out a fleece like Gideon did. Okay, God, if it's raining tomorrow, I'll go on the missions trip. If it's snowing tomorrow, I won't, I'll stay home. Um, but do you realize if you go back to that story of Gideon and him putting out the fleece, he actually put out the fleece because he was disobedient. He'd already been told what to do. God had instructed him already. When we uh, lived in Vancouver and, and working with a college ministry, one of the professors at Multnomah Bible College wrote a book when we were out there. And, and the book was uh, called, the title was this, Decision Making in the Will of God. Very controversial book at the time. His name was Gary Friesen. And he actually came over to our college group one weekend, and he met with our college students on this issue. And let me just show you, to kind of stir you, show you a quote that he has, that he said from the book. Now, concerning finding the will of God, okay? The word finding we normally use in the sense of learning or obtaining or attaining to God's mind. When we seek to find God's will, we are attempting to discover hidden knowledge by supernatural activity. If we're going to find his will on, uh, on one specific choice, we have to penetrate the divine mind to get, his, to go, get to his decision. But he, then he goes on, finding is really a form of divination. This idea was common in pagan religions. Now it's a real thick book because he, he goes through almost every example in the scriptures surrounding the will of God and digs into it what it really means. So you understand it as we look back and go, what, God, is your will? Why your will? And I'm going to argue there's another piece to it as well. It's salvation. It's putting them deep within our hearts that he becomes central. But there's another piece. Romans 12.1, let me show you this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, and here you go, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, so often, people miss the point. They quote this verse, these verses a lot, and they really miss the point. And usually they point to the renewing of your mind. That's the emphasis of the verse. And you go, no, that's not the main point. Renewing the mind, the purpose is to be transformed, to be changed, our hearts to be changed. And for your notes, I said it this way. Your will be done includes God's desire for us to have transformed lives and hearts. 
He wants us to be thinking different, to be living different. Our hearts' motives be different. Matter of fact, there's another passage that's even just as pointed. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, look at this. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Is that not clear enough for us? That you abstain from sexual immorality. See, this is God wants for us the will of God when Jesus prays, thy will be done. He's talking about people in this world that would be living lives differently. Matter of fact, Colossians chapter 1. Let me go to this one. For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you, look at with the knowledge of his will. There again, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may have a life, live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Knowing God's will and transformation of our hearts. A changed life. Thy will, your will be done. And we keep thinking, God, what's the will for my life? Individually. And I go, sometimes it's just the wrong question. Matter of fact, Martin Luther understood something. He didn't really believe in this idea of finding God's will at all. Look at what he wrote. Love God and do as you please. How's that? I I think he got it. But here's where we focus on. Do as you please. (laughs) Don't we? No, loving God is the starting point. And when we begin to love God, we begin to trust God, and he gives us the desires that are righteous, that come out of our hearts. Matter of fact, Psalm 37 points to this reality. Look at verse 4. Take delight. Love God. He becomes everything to us. And what? And he gives you your heart's desires. Another translation, desires of the heart. Do you catch this? God's will is that transformation would take place in the lives of people. But there's a couple reasons why. And i got to add those on here before we close. And the first one, I said it like this, that God desires that we be made beautiful for our union with his Son. Sanctification has a purpose. God's will has a purpose behind that. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. This speaks about marriage, but it also, there's a duality, dual meaning here, and it's referring to Christ and the church, his bride. Verse 26, that he might, Christ might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. 
See, your will be done. This idea of transformation. Why? Because there is going to be a union one day. It's already started. But there is a union taking place that will go into eternity when the church, the bride, fully engages with the Son and and we together with the Son live with Him and His Father forever. And thy will be done on this earth is in part getting us ready for that. There's a second reason as well, I think, today. As we see God's desire, God's will, that we pray that. And it comes out of John 17. And we see this because this is Jesus praying for us even today. He's praying for the saints and for those that are going to come to faith later on. Look at how it reads it. I do not ask for these only. So he's asking his father to do something. But also for those who believe in me through their, the apostles' word. That they, that's us, the body of Christ, may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, and I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. He's praying, God, would the love that you have for me, and me that I have for you, would it be penetrated into them? Why? Letter B, I said it this way, transformation has a desired purpose for oneness and unity. And he prays so strongly here. This is his desire. This is God's desire. That we would be one with each other. Go back to that verse if you can, Nancy. Verse, look at verse 21. That they may be all one. There's the oneness again. So the world may believe. Verse 22. They may be one even as we are one. Second one, verse 23, that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know. Do you catch this intense prayer that he prays for us? This is God's will, that we would be transformed, but that there would be a union even on this earth that would be reflecting the love of God to his creation. I came in one of the commentaries I read this week. I got to show you a quote that he wrote that I think summarizes it so well. The believers are to embody this love, this oneness, and thereby provide living proof of God's gracious character, which is his mercy, love, and truth. They, meaning us, a church, will be an advertisement inviting people to join in this union with God. The love of God evident in the church is a revelation that there is a welcome awaiting those who will quit the rebellion and return home. Here is a missionary strategy of the gospel, the community of disciples, oneness, 
indwelt with God's life and light and love, witnessing to the Father in the Son, by the Spirit, by the Word and deed, continuing to bear witness as the Son has done. When transformation takes place, Jesus prays and says, now may they be one like Father, like you and I are one. And may they begin to display, and he uses, the I like the word, to be an advertisement for who you are. Just think of it, if churches in the community, kind of this picture, churches were growing in oneness within them, between them, each other, but within the bodies of Christ, like a church like us here today. And there's a sign that takes place that's put up out the road. Love, God's love, God's love, union. He loves the world. We become an advertisement for God's mercy, His grace, hope, peace. That is the will of God. And we pray, Father, your will be done. That there would be a changed world. Thy kingdom come, your will be done. And it starts with us. Embracing this Father. Wanting to do his desires that he gives us. And we make a difference in this world. Why don't you stand and let's pray. Father, again, at times it's, um, we recognize, and I, even in my own life, how the will of, of you is centered around me and my stuff. And Lord, you want us to pray bigger here. You want us to pray differently. So, Lord, as we pray, your will be done, I I pray for transformation through the gospel in people's lives. That people would come to know you, would understand this great redemption that you have offered. Father, I, I pray that our hearts would be melting into your love, that you would be changing, you'd be giving us new desires, not based on selfishness, but based on what you would desire. So, Lord, change us. And Lord, I pray for oneness here within our body. Would you give a sense of, of purpose and would we embrace your love so much that we, it just flows over into each other? So Father, we ask that you would work and that your will would be done in this place and that your kingdom would reign in this place. So we give this time to you. And Lord, I just pray as we, we walk through this week that we would be recognizing our need to, to make you the center of our lives. So thank you again for the, your words. These things we pray in your name. Amen. Have a great week. Love God this week.